The first iteration of the digital revolution was Web 1.0. It was the dawn of the internet, the information superhighway which opened up the world's information at our fingertips. Then it evolved in leaps and bounds with Web 2.0. Social media made us all publishers and our phones became the most popular device in history, bringing with them apps spawning the likes of Uber, Netflix and Zoom. In the process, building fortunes of a few that have a trajectory toward becoming the first trillionaires. Now Web 3.0 is here, the blockchain-powered revolution. Well, it is here, but not under our noses here. It's coming soon, I'm told, we're told. Web 3.0 promises to bring the internet back to its original design to be open, free and fair. One where we can transact and interact with anyone on earth without our data and dollars getting clipped by Silicon Valley in the process. The hero of Web 3.0 is cryptocurrencies. They were originally sold to us as the global currency, but have unfortunately evolved into a commodity that's value goes up and down like the Himalayas. I believe eventually and gradually the blockchain and digital currencies will transform the economy and ultimately humanity. But as it stands, let's face it, the hype is outpacing the promise. Exactly no transactions I complete are on the blockchain and any cryptocurrency I own is a long, very long term investment, not something I buy my next car with. But there is one little spot fire of activity burning brightly which captured my imagination as a true demonstration of the power of the blockchain, NFTs and cryptocurrencies. And it's changing people's lives today. The grilling we got from parents telling us to turn off the computer and stop playing computer games is aging badly around the world thanks to a revolutionary movement called Play to Earn. People of all ages are playing mobile games and making a great living at doing it. Those people are being funded by investors who are building their own wealth. And around goes an ecosystem that exemplifies the promise of the open blockchain. We hear from billionaire Shark Tank investor Mark Cuban on the opportunity. Crypto-based games are community-owned. Everybody in the community gets to share in the revenues and the upsides, which means that participants, people who play, get a chance to play to earn. And that's just incredible to me, and it creates really unique opportunities. Now, if anybody around the world can play and make money playing, and it makes perfect sense once you dig into the numbers. So it's, it's really incredible, it's a unique opportunity, and if it's done right, it truly can be game-changing. And as you can imagine, with real money at stake, the playing competition is pretty fierce. We talk with the co-founder, Mitch of Perion, championing this movement. Play to Earn is, you're really just going into a video game um, and you can mine a currency by winning the game. You and mining currency by winning the game against another, another person on the, other, on the other side of that screen. Put simply, the Play to Earn revolution is transforming gaming into a chance to make a dent in some of the biggest humanitarian issues on the planet. My name is Tommy McCubbin and this is Future Sandwich, Play to Earn.
Surprisingly, the most compelling, productive, and accessible blockchain use case isn't happening in Silicon Valley, Israel, or Shenzhen. One of the epicenters for play to earn is in the Philippines, in the small towns of the Southeast Asian country. Now, a lot of these folks of all ages were hit by COVID lockdowns badly, unable to create any income while in isolation at home. Word spread quickly through the towns that there was a mobile game that anyone can play where you can earn real money. Real money that put food on the table when the struggle was mounting for more than half of the Philippine workforce. The game was called Axie Infinity, a mashup of Street Fighter and Pokemon. A game that on the surface looks pretty cute, but is the first real example of the blockchain flexing its superpower so everyone can win, not just the privileged few. Axie Infinity is crowned as the original play-to-earn game. And here's the founder of Axie, Jiho Zerlin, on its meteoric rise in the Philippines. We definitely started to see a lot of traction coming out of the Philippines, especially after the Coindesk article. It's grown to become our number one market. I think the reason that this really took off was that the idea of playing a fun, cute game to earn a living, it's something that I think resonates with a generation that's looking for new ways of making money online, uh, new ways of finding a digitally native income. With the pandemic, uh, you know, it's destroyed a lot of physical jobs, uh, in many cases kind of permanently. So I really think that what we're dealing with is a fundamental change in the nature of work. Now you play by buying, borrowing, or breeding small characters called axes, and you can build up your axes value and trade them in a marketplace, along with other features such as potions and shards. These are all tokens on the blockchain, or NFTs, which can be traded for crypto, which then can be traded into real money. And everyone from retirees to 18-year-old couriers are getting in on the action. These are the founders of Axie Academy, local Filipino entrepreneurs who are supporting the community of players by ensuring everyone has the opportunity to play to earn. Personally, I am uh, actually one of the affected. Uh, I recently lost a job. So uh, playing Axie Infinity, um, it actually provides me income. It came to a point that we saw the potential to help others. Yeah. You know, to help our co-Filipinos that, you know, even uh, they love, they love game, playing games, but they don't have money as well. And they need money as well to earn, especially during the, this pandemic times. People just want to play and earn without any investment. That's why, that's one of the reasons they apply for a scholarship and they also want to play the game. Our main goal was not only to earn money for ourselves, but also to help other people in need. One of our uh, scholars is actually a tricycle driver. So being in this uh, pandemic, those tricycle drivers don't actually get a lot of passengers. Having this uh, opportunity uh, give them actually uh, a chance to earn um, extra income. Play to Earn gives investors the opportunity to combine philanthropy, charity, and investing in becoming something new, in becoming what they call sponsors. Now, the deal is simple. Invest under $1,000 to buy someone an Axie. 
and give them the chance to make a much-needed living, while you, the investor, splits the spoils with them. Just like it does for Filipino player Howard. Already graduated in college and I don't have any work yet. Most of the company, they don't need any employee anymore. I feel frustrated that time because I feel like there's nothing I can do to help my family. I have my, my younger brother and sister, but that's why I need to help them. Axie University, it's a company who wanted to help the people like me. I treated it as a work because if you want to earn in that game, you have to commit in that game. You have to, to play it daily, to play hard. I guess the highest earning possible in that is 15,000 per month. But that's fine because the regular jobs uh, I see here in the Philippines, they offer 10,000 a month. And my bosses in Axie University, they're not like the other bosses that very strict. They just talking me like a friend, but in a professional way. Um, they help me build my confidence. They teach me everything in leadership. I'm really grateful I have them as my managers. And from humble beginnings, Melbourne startup Perion is founded by former world number one at Axie Infinity, who aims to give everyone the chance to thrive in the competition, from players to investors. We caught up with co-founder Mitch Penman-Allen. Yeah, so, so prior to Perion, um, I got into crypto around 2017. Um, a friend of mine met a guy called uh, Willie Wu on a kitesurfing trip. Willie's a I think he's got about a million followers on Twitter now. He's, he's quite a famous kind of uh, quote-unquote uh, crypto influencer slash trader. Um, yeah, so I, I was really interested in, in financial markets. I made a bunch of money on some IPOs and I sort of started hearing about crypto moving a lot. Um, I, I, I briefly heard about it years ago, but hadn't really dove, dove into the rabbit hole. So um, yeah, my, my friend connected just with, with Willie and he had, a, he had a small group of about 100 people um, just talking trading all day and I just started kind of, I saw the value in it. I, I made a ton of money on this first trade, which was totally silly. <laughs> I just pressed buy. Um, and so I just I just immediately thought I have to learn more. So I really went down the rabbit hole of studying futures markets, um, hedge fund strategy, just kind of reading a lot of university, uh, undergrad and postgrad literature. Um, by 2019, I was out on my own, um, formed my own company, uh, just trading futures and as I mentioned um, at the start of the call, uh, when we were just chatting, um, moved to Melbourne at the start of lockdown. Uh, so we ended up buying a dog because that was the only thing you could you could leave the house for was to either go to the shops or, um, or walk your dog. And um, I ended up meeting Amos, who's another co-founder in, in the dog park. Um, his little whippet ran up to me, um, and he was a developer. Um, he was super interested in crypto, and so we just started started talking. Um, we were sort of. He was working for a large brokerage at the time, um, Caitlin Brown, a, a crypto brokerage. And so we were kind of just discussing the potential of, of working together on a, a fund or something similar. Um, subsequently, he became number one in the world at Axe Infinity, uh, which was sort of the, the predominant uh, NFT game at the time. Um, and yeah, we just uh, started diving in. Uh, we set up a community. We just saw this insane demand for players wanting to come in and play these NFT titles. Um, and so we just thought we have to really make something of this. Um, brought in another friend who heads up business development for uh, Bankster, which is a fiat to crypto on-ramp. 
um, sort of he helped that scale that team to from five to uh, I think 150 people now listed on a public stock exchange. So he was really great in establishing connections to, to do some fundraising. And yeah, that, that's kind of um, brought us to now. Uh, we, we started out um, with around 1,200 players playing under the sort of Perry and Banner, that leasing mechanic I, I spoke of um, previously. Uh, we've kind of shifted now through, through our fundraising rounds. We got access to some really amazing VCs. So we get a fantastic deal flow uh, from that. And what we what we found is we have a around, uh, I think it, it's it's in a, it's almost close to 2 million eyeballs in front of the, the streamers we've recruited on, in our player base. And since we have access to amazing deal flow, we thought, okay, well, why don't we take a step back? Um, Axie Infinity, the, the sort of premier NFT game, it did about, I think about 3000 X from its seed round to, to sort of its peak. But why don't we do? Why don't we take um, early VC stage investments in these projects, which we have access to, and then we just push our content through our network of streamers, which really creates a, a positive reinforcement loop. Um, and in having kind of players playing competitively at the sort of upper echelons of the the esports scene, um, for example, in Axie Infinity, we finished uh, second, sixth, and seventh on the leaderboard uh, last season. We tend to get a lot of eyeballs across Paragon, so we're really sort of building out the esports side um, of a building out an esports team for for the web3 gaming space and sort of hoping to continue adapting to the to the newer and more sort of promising titles as they come out play to learn is you're really just going into a video game um, and you can mine a currency by winning the game you and mining currency by winning the game against another another person on the other, on the other side of that screen um, that's really the, the like the fundamental kind of building block of the entire thing. Um, and now that currency you mine can be used in that game to purchase various items and things you might need to play the game even better. And so that's really the building blocks of, of what Play to Earn is about. That that could be sort of one um, model in, in say say like the initial game that was most popular. Um, since sort of 2019, uh, it was called Axie Infinity. What is called Axie Infinity, sorry. Uh, the, the actual characters are NFTs. And so you you play the you play the game to mine uh, an asset, which you need to, to breed more Axies to allow more players to come in. Um, and then there's an exchange where you can trade the, uh, the NFT assets between other players. That model is not the best. I think there's, there's, there's definitely better models coming out, which have more to do with things like skins and, and cosmetics. Um, the issue with the kind of Axie model is it is, uh, it's, all, it's a sort of growth model. And so once growth slows, it, it sort of all, all falls apart. Um, so I think there's there's much more sustainable models and they're kind of the, the titles we look at um, as Perion into the future. And how's it manifesting itself now? Like, like who are these people that, that make up the, the play to earn ecosystem? Yeah, so a lot of the players are based in countries across sort of Southeast Asia, uh, Latin America. So these are people sort of from regional areas generally without sort of, uh, I guess, complex domestic labor markets. So for them uh, to kind of take a, a work contract over the internet is actually uh, really appealing. Um, yeah, that, that's sort of the, the bulk of the, um, the player base. Now, we think that will shift in future. Um, the games are the, the sort of talent coming into the space is is quite incredible. You've got people leaving sort of AAA studios that worked on everything from Call of Duty to Halo, um, World of Warcraft. 
So we kind of think the, these games, which are at a pretty rudimentary kind of stage visually right now, will will develop into sort of you know first world consumer market ready titles. And so, one of the things that makes this work is this notion of sponsors. Tell us about who the sponsors are and how they how they're contributing. Yeah. So so we as Perio intend to form uh, we we form one of the one of those kind of sponsors as you mentioned. Um, how that works is, say, within um, Axie Infinity, the game I mentioned earlier, there's there's a cost entry. So um, it might cost someone a hundred bucks to to fill the team. Um, for someone who's in in sort of a remote regional area with in the developing world, where that might be a little uh, excessive, it might be a bit a bit much of a risk for them to kind of uh, bet a portion of their yearly earnings on. So we tend to we foot the bill for entry. And then uh, we we lease the assets essentially um, for a fifty percent cut. Um, so yeah, we, we sort of we sort of hold the risk. And as a um, I guess a semi-sophisticated organization, you could call it, we um, we kind of we hold that risk, and we can kind of we can balance that. Whereas a player, if they hold sort of an individual asset, um, they're very tied to that one asset, and they say that asset. Uh, becomes less valuable in the game because the, the game's meta, the most effective tactics available change, that asset might um, you know, depreciate quite heavily. So we, we can kind of hold a broad pool of assets and, and decrease the, the sort of single point risk. And how's the the gaming industry adapting to this? So is it kind of, is this new model universally accepted or is, 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 is uh, uh, traditional the, developers the, staying behind? There's very much a divide. Um, so you kind of have, it, it all started with like total, like crypto crypto native people trying to create a game. They, they understood kind of the, the economics of it. Um, they understood DeFi and they thought, okay, let's try and make a game around this. That's where it started. Um, a, a recent example of a game kind of at the other side of the spectrum, uh, triple, AAA title, uh, it, was, it was a Ghost Recon title, which is, um, yeah, right at, the, right at the upper echelons of gaming. Um, they tried to do an NFT release, but they did it horribly. Like they, <laughs> you could buy these really overpriced assets. You couldn't even move them on a, on a blockchain. Um, so they, they, they're kind of, the people we're seeing now come into the space as we do sort of a lot on the VC side, um, sort of seed series A investing, uh, they're kind of bridging those two worlds. So you've got teams that come from, yeah, like really, really high-end studios. And most of these people aren't staying with that, say, established AAA developer. They're leaving to to create their own studio because a it's really easy to get funding. B they understand the crypto economics maybe more than someone an executive up the top, so they can really get a little bit of freedom. Um, so it, it's for the right people in the gaming industry. They see it as a as a really valuable thing, and and for them they can kind of go out on their own for the first time ever and, and without the need of the kind of huge uh, pool of funding that the, the gaming company provides. Outlining Perrin's vision, you kind of end in you know, phase three, the metaverse. What needs to happen for sort of the vision to catch up to the reality with the concept of the metaverse? Yeah, yeah look, that's a, that's a great question. And you kind of see, um, you kind of see two sides of that playing out right now. Um, on one, on one hand, you've got this, um, obviously Meta has, um, real, Facebook's really pivoted into Meta. They're um, going all out on kind of VR technology and whatnot and really, I mean, they're, they're obviously all in, they've, they've changed their name. And then the other side, you've got uh, Yuga Labs who developed Bored Apes. 
uh, I think they just did a, like, something like a $400 million funding round. Um, and they're sort of looking at creating the, the counterculture metaverse to the sort of an, the antithesis to the meta metaverse, um, so to speak. So it's really interesting um, how, those, how those two develop. It, it's going to be um, a really interesting. And it, it's kind of interesting. Uh, Facebook recently put out, uh, or Meta, sorry, put out uh, their fee structure. And it, it was quite... Um, was quite high. They were sort of looking to charge 40 to 50% for um, all sales in their metaverse. Whereas in the crypto side, you've kind of got 5% fees for sale of NFTs. So it's going to be very interesting to see how those two play out. But um, yeah, look, what, what I think what it's going to take is for just more development. Um, I think we're really, really early, but we see a ton of potential to, to kind of take this to the next level. And with the kind of interoperability of crypto, it's, it's a really powerful thing. So for example, one of the games we just um, uh, invested in, uh, we own one of the one of 82 maps within this game. And it's actually up to us to hire level designers to to build out that map. And we can obviously, obviously that'll be, that'll have some Perion branding, something like that involved. So it becomes this sort of, um, we become this kind of cross-platform, develop this cross-platform visibility where you might be in your favorite game and you might see on something someone splash up on a billboard or something like that like we may have built the map so it's um it's really interesting when you get like in-game assets and they become something that we can own and, and develop on um that that's sort of where that metaverse vision is heading um, but i think it's really just a, just a matter of time and development hours in the white paper new technology challenges us ethically socially and environmentally but sometimes a new model comes along and allows everyone in the ecosystem to benefit. And from the darkest of times of shutdowns in COVID came this bright, playful game which helps families in dire straits thrive when all you need is a phone and an internet connection to make a living. Now there are dozens of games and thousands of players making real money. And if this is what the blockchain has in store for us, I say bring it on. Thanks to Mitch from Perion for coming on the show. You can catch him on Twitter or find him at perion.gg. And also a big thank you to Leah Cannon-Butler and her team at Emphasis and Yield Guild Games for letting me take some grabs from their documentary, Play to Earn, NFT Gaming in the Philippines. You can watch the whole film now in the show notes at futuresandwich.com. Now, if you like the show, please subscribe or follow and review wherever you listen to your pods. Subscribe on YouTube also, we're always making new clips on there. My name is Tommy McCubbin and this has been another episode of Future Sandwich. I look forward to seeing you again in the not too distant future.